This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm Saucy Jack. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week we're tackling spine number 12 in the Criterion Collection. This is Spinal Tap, directed by Rob Reiner from 1984. But first, RJ, how are you? I'm alright, man. I threw you off with that Saucy Jack thing, didn't I? I, I I'm always expecting, I, hey, I just, I'm always on my toes. I could see there was just pain in your eyes. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm okay. I don't know if you heard, but uh, Brad and Angelina split up, so. That's, yeah. Uh, that's quite a blow for yeah. me. Yeah, no, I uh, um, I heard that yesterday in passing, and I was just like, huh. I, if in my mind, they broke up, like, a long time ago, or they were separated. But I guess I get all my news from, like, tabloids and stuff like that at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like everyone's always broken up. And so when they actually break right. up in real life, it's like, wait, didn't they do that two, three years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I I guess that's the point to cushion the blow for some people, is to make you constantly think it to the point where you don't care anymore. But it's it's great marketing because apparently he had like a love affair with Marianne Cotillard, whatever her name is, and uh, they have a movie coming out like right now. So, it's <laughs> well, great timing. Perfect timing to call her quits. Call her quits. Yeah. So that's all that's really going on with me. You know, I suspect there's going to be like eight more of those World War Z movies because Brad's going to have to pitch in a lot of alimony. You know. For those mm-hmm. 19 kids they have. Yep. Those 19 so. kids aren't going to feed themselves. So it could be worse. I could be in that situation. Yeah. yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm doing good. Um, speaking of terrible situations, I'm doing a lot better than my uh, good friend's brother. He uh, apparently oh. like caught a 10-pound medicine ball to his nuts, and mm. uh, he, he wound up in hospital. And he was in a situation Ooh. where he, uh, it might have been a tear or a rupture of his testicle. So there, 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 there was a uh, period of time where he didn't know if he was going to lose uh, one of his testicles or not, or if they'd be able to repair it. But mm-hmm. uh, I guess good fortune finally smiled on uh, him and his balls, and uh, they were able mm-hmm. to uh, go in there and repair. And I believe he's uh, at home now uh, this evening. Hmm. You should um, state his name, his phone number, and his mailing address for the fan <laughs> out there. Yeah. And uh, um, those people can contact him and let them know how they feel. Just laugh at them Nelson style. Yeah. Well, but, um, you know, if he did lose it, though, I heard there's a lot of, like, nifty um, apparatus that you can put in there, like medicine balls and things like that in nature. Oh, maybe the medicine. Not medicine. <laughs> yeah. The little medicine ball. A little one. Not not one. not a uh, ten pounder. Yeah. Are you are you suggesting that that ten pound missing ball wanted inside of him? Only time will tell. Only time will tell. Well, I'll have to keep. Who's to say? I'll have to keep in touch with uh, poor Stephen. Yeah. Well, you find out because I think everyone here is gonna be itching to find out the end of this story mm-hmm. if there isn't. Well, or it could have been. It could be over. It could be over. He could just be at that's home, it. and that's it. It's like that one time. Yeah, I thought I was going to lose my nut, but I didn't. Maybe in episode eight hundred, you can. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll there will be a new development. Mm-hmm. You just never know. You never know. So, uh, have you been able to creep on anything the last little while? Yeah, I did a little bit of creeping. That's pretty I good. Did a little bit of creeping. Yeah. Uh, I had a rewatch. I uh, I rewatched. The 90s classic, The Addams Family. 
Oh yeah. Uh, that movie rules, man. Um, I think I have like I think it's an obvious like sentimental attachment to it. I think any like kid from the late '80s, early '90s, like if, if you were either just being birthed or you were like a new birthing kid at that time, you're gonna have like maybe a fond attachment to that movie. But right. I really like that movie, man. It's like it's unapologetically like ridiculous if that mm. makes sense sure it's like there's like a scene where gomez is playing like with his toy trains and then like it zooms in and like the person there's a person on the train who's like alive and right. gomez is just really huge in the background but like <laughs> the whole movie is like so goofy like that you never question those things it's like yeah of course that would happen or it's yeah. like a uh, thing is just like a hand cut off you're like of course that would happen mm-hmm. that was actually really good too the uh, the um the uh or like the way they showed thing like the hand moving it was really good it didn't look dated at all like yeah i don't know how they did the effects for that but i thought it was wicked um the reason i watched that was because i still can't find legend so i went with a uh, another christopher lloyd joint and uh, i don't think you can get a better pair of actors in the world than christopher lloyd and ral julia yeah i believe is how you pronounce his name julia um, i think it's julia Ra- Raul, Raul Julia. Yeah. Um, those guys are both fucking awesome. They're like, they're so animated in the way like they give expressions and like act out scenes and stuff. It's great. I love it. Actually, yeah. The one thing like, I just I'm just looking it up, and uh, one thing I didn't realize. Uh, so Barry Sonnenfeld uh, directed, and that was his first movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, he'd been around, kicking around, hanging out with those Cohen brothers uh, beforehand, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, that was his first outing, and I remember like something about that movie like it had really nice it had a nice production look to it like you don't almost yeah, be, it looks in great. my mind it's almost like oh it's kind of like a tim burton kind of thing which would have been uh probably why they got away with making it the way the look authentic like the mm-hmm. sort of those like great darks and grays and stuff like that mm-hmm. but i always remember like the one thing that was i found that movie confusing as a kid because the stuff with fester not being fester and it's like a replacement oh. but all that stuff i remember being really weird when i was a kid um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think I remember that too. I, it was just like, why can't he just be Fester? Right. But then just it turns out story. he is Fester? No, he is. He just had amnesia because yeah. he got lost in the Bermuda Triangle, which is what the lady tells them happened. But like, he doesn't know that's actually what happened was because the lady like convinced him that he was her son the whole right. time after he found her because yeah. that lady was a a down ass bitch and she needed some uh some muscle so she found this big goon of a man fester and just needed him right um no yeah but that that movie has one of my absolute favorite interact like on-screen interactions ever where like uh down and out gomez is just watching like daytime tv and there's like a talk show on about like cults yeah and uh, the, the lady is like asking like an audience member she's like we're gonna take a call here and it's gomez he's like hello sally and she's like, please, Mr. Adams, please stop calling. We don't know where they meet. And it's just, I don't know. I've always found that like so funny. I don't know. I can't describe it. Like that's probably one of the the more meeker jokes in that movie. But I find it really funny. It always gets me. Huh. It always gets me, Jared. So uh, Adams Family, for anyone out there on the fence on whether or not to watch it, that's two thumbs up. Two thumbs I believe up. Ebert, uh, I, I believe Ebert... Uh, it was one of two occasions where he gave a movie five out of four stars. Huh. Well, I'll be damned. Yeah. So, 
that's uh, my hot endorsement on that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, follow up, uh, fittingly, because guess what, uh, Jarrett? Did you know it's Stephen King's birthday today? Oh, that was my news. Oh. Well, I ruined it, so I'm just going to roll with it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> whoops. Well, yeah, it is. Um, do you have anything to say about Stephen King's birthday? Well, uh, I was just going to ask you, do you think he and Tabitha will uh, get sexually compatible tonight? Oh, fucking rights, they will. He's all about getting down, mm-hmm. as you can find out in his many autobio- or his many biographies and writings and journals and things like that he puts like before and after books but yeah oh so what was i even talking about oh yeah i finished book six in the dark tower series what? song of Susanna. i fucking told you man i had a, a busy work week where uh it was work that um i don't need like my mind for kind of mm-hmm. but uh sadly so i got this one done but uh, that kind of work i was doing i'm not gonna have to do anymore so the last book is probably going to take me months and months to finish uh, because that's a that's a beast of a book. I think it's 900 pages, like 20-some hours, whatever. Uh, so I finished book six, and uh, it's probably the low point of this series. Um, not like it's like bad or anything, but uh, I don't know if I heard this somewhere or if like I came up. I don't think it's like an original thought, but I'm pretty sure book six is just like was supposed to be the end of book five but it was too big already so they just cut it into two books like one really big book and one smaller book okay i don't know if that's like how it for some reason i feel like that's what it was i don't know if someone else said that or if i came up with that probably not but um so like i think there's like a lot of things going against it is because like it's more it's more of like a continuation of that story like not even the grander story just like the actual book five um stephen king is a character in this book so he's there in the flesh in 1977 drinking beers he alludes to the fact that one of the characters alludes to the fact that he drinks too much and he smokes too much and Mm -hmm. he may have other indulgences um it kind of like i think he he kind of like the reason he put himself in the story at this point was like because of all the stuff that was like happening in his life um actually do you remember when i was telling you about how he like in the last book everything was connected to 19 for some reason yes and i didn't really know why yeah so it was 19 or 99 and i found out what it was Jared. because did you know that the uh i think it's june or july 19th 1999 was the day he got hit by the van oh so that's that's where it all comes from and so, like, that's they set it up in this book where it's like he's writing the story that they're actually living, and he's like a beam of the tower. So, like, he's not really like just a, a writer or a person. He's like, uh, there's all these things holding up the towers, like totems or beacons or whatever, and he's like one of them. So, it's like the more you take out, and then eventually the tower will fall, kind of deal. Yeah. So, he tried to like assert himself in the story in that way. Um, I don't know. It was okay. It's just compared to the rest, it's not great. And I, f- I think it's just because it's not like the full story. It's kind of the end of one. And it's got like, so it, it's got a, a thing I just fucking hate and like stories. Like I'm pretty open, whether it's like books, comics, movies, TVs, like any kind of like story or like idea they have. Like I'm not one of those guys who's like, oh, that couldn't happen. I hate that. 
sure. like for the most part. But one thing I absolutely hate in like storytelling is like uh, like possession, brainwashing, uh, like uh, doppelgangers or like false people like do you know what i mean like clones or whatever sure like that kind of stuff yeah. like where it's like an imposter who people think it's got that person but it's not because it's like a brain swap uh i fucking hate that i think it's like really lazy storytelling like in any medium it's just like a really cheap way to like uh create conflict by like okay. having a character act against like their character or something like that i don't know so like that's kind of what this whole book is about and he does it in a way where it's a little bit better. Like they address it right up front. They're like, oh, yeah, we know that this person like has a split personality. So they're prone to do crazy things, but it's just the other personality. So I don't know. I just don't really like stories like that. If 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 you if you're fair. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, yeah. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Um, and that's kind of yeah. tough that you li- listen to this lengthy audiobook that that was like a plot thing <laughs> it was the whole book like the whole book is basically like the one character who has like the split personality like takes off yeah so it's like half the book is like what they're doing and then the other half of the book is like the other characters trying to get back to them hmm. that's it that's it so, a low point i guess yeah but uh, i have heard that seven like uh the end of this the end of the like story because he did another one after that was like a prequel of some sort but like seven the end of the story is pretty good so okay you'll find out i guess in like maybe two months <laughs> so that's all i did i did a, a a little movie and a little little booking for you there that's super um that's it well uh for me i decided since we're talking about an 80s comedy film today uh, i thought i would get into the mindset of the 80s before uh, i got around to actually watching uh spinal tap so that consisted Great. of watching a couple of uh comedies i'd never seen before that are kind of regarded as all-time classics um so i watched animal house and mm-hmm. um i didn't like that movie at all <laughs> um because you're a nerd I'm a nerd, you know. Nerd. Yeah, uh, I just nothing. None of they, I didn't find any of it funny at all. Uh, I didn't like any of the characters. Uh, John Belushi. I, I think that's like probably the first thing of John Belushi I've ever seen. He seems like he's terrible. Um, <laughs> oh man! Yeah, Send um, your hate mail to Jarrett Duncan. Yep. Yeah, do. Um, uh, I'll take it. Uh, I just, mm-hmm. it's kind of cr- a crappy movie. I don't know. It's like, it looks like a movie, but like, there's no jokes that I could find. Um, it was just sort of there. I've never, again, like maybe it's my fault for coming mm-hmm. to this movie so late in my life and so far removed from when it first came out. But yeah, I don't know. John Landis, man. Mm-hmm. What uh, about, uh, Donald Sutherland's buns? Uh, he's really not in that movie a whole bunch. But I, you I, see his butt cheeks at one point. Do you? I don't even know if he'd really. Yeah, I, I don't that, even... like. Doesn't he like? Because he's sleeping with the student, right? Yeah, like the girlfriend. But when you and see then him, he, like he reaches up and like his butt, his shirt lifts, and his like butt cheeks hang oh, out. Oh, I, I didn't really register. I guess. There's, there, Were there's, you even watching it the, at the, all? The, there, there was barely, I guess, enough. Uh, There's not enough like Donald Sutherland in that movie or uh, John Vernon. John Vernon was good, but John Vernon's mm-hmm. always good. But the rest of it, I could have cared less about it. It sucked. Sure. Uh, then I watched Caddyshack. Um, that was better, I guess. Um, I'd never watch it again. 
again, it's a, this is the problem with like I guess we'll talk about this as we get. Is that into, the first time you'd seen it? Yeah, first time I've ever seen Caddyshack. Seriously? Um, yeah, for some reason I'd seen like I've seen Caddyshack two uh, several oh. times when it was on TV, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize uh, how poor the reputation of Caddyshack two was. Like I don't remember mm-hmm. anything about it other than I think like Dom DeLuise is in it, and there's like mm-hmm. two gophers or something like that. But yeah. I couldn't tell you anything else about it. But I don't. But apparently, it's really, really bad, and I'm not going to probably seek that out. Like it was funny because, like, I kind of in my mind I was like, "Oh, maybe there's like a Caddyshack two pack," and I'm like, "Oh, mm-hmm. no, there isn't." It seems like only Caddyshack seems to get any love. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, Caddyshack's just again like it's all right. Um, got it's got Rodney Dangerfield, um, which of course then uh, brought about what me watching. Uh, Easy money. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just was thinking, like, you know what? Nothing says '80s comedy to me more than Rodney Dangerfield, and he's actually he's Fucking not as like right. he's not as prolific as I thought he was when it comes to that stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, I did watch Easy Money. Uh, Easy mm-hmm. Money, I thought was of the of that batch was probably the stronger one. Um, mm-hmm. It's got some Joe Pesci being angry and belligerent. It's got Jeffrey Jones, um, mm. and he's always like good as like smarmy kind of. I don't know. He's got such a weird, like, kind of plasticky, gummy f- flesh to him. Gummy <laughs> um, Joe? Yeah, I don't know. Like, he just, like, looks like a fake man. Like, he's super powdered. Mm. But he's, like, I mean, I don't know. I love Jeffrey Jones. Um, even to, like, stuff like Mom and Dad Save the World. I, I love mm-hmm. that guy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I haven't seen either of those. So I have no idea what you're talking about. What? Uh, which one? Mom and Dad Save the Any- World? Any of these Jim Jones movies that you're talking about? Jim Jones, huh? <laughs> yeah. Down, down in Ghana. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had I'm I'm super surprised you'd never seen Caddyshack. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I just like you... nothing ever like told me I should be watching it at all. Well, I don't like like kind of like last week how we were talking about movies that just like get put into syndication almost. Like yep. I remember that movie being on fucking every six nights. It would be on on a different channel, like yeah. not. You'd be on one week on a Friday, and then the next week you'd be on like a Tuesday on like a different station or something like that. So I'm just I'm surprised that you were able to outrun that movie as long as you were because yeah. I, I can I couldn't even tell you how many times I I saw that as a little kid. Like honestly, maybe like thirty, just because it was on so much. Huh. Yeah, no, I uh, I mean, it's strange too because when I was a kid, I was like. I really like Bill Murray and I actually like mm-hmm. comedian. Like I was always because like, I like comedians and that Caddyshack was just one of those movies that completely evaded me. Um, maybe it's because it has boobs in it that like, I wasn't allowed to rent it or oh, something maybe. like that. Um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. Uh, Chevy Chase is in there too. He That's is. Cool. He play. he's doing the Chevy Chase character. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I like yeah. him in that. I like Bill in that, but, uh, as you said, I think Rod, Rodney Dangerfield is the, uh, the real king in that one. Yeah. When the, they party at the end. It's a party, March. doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> well, Drinks coming out of nowhere. Yeah. That was a, that, that's that episode of Simpsons. But yeah, that's that reference in Caddyshack, that, that's like right in the middle of the movie. Yep. Yeah, I didn't realize that. And then it hit and I'm like, oh, that that's exactly what that reference was to all this time. They knew, the people at the Simpsons knew what they were doing a long time ago, friend. I, I guess so. They knew. I'm mm-hmm. the chump. And I uh, mm-hmm. wasn't able to track down a copy of Rover Dangerfield, unfortunately. Oh, that movie fucking rules. That's another movie I remember seeing a lot as a kid. I think I have the uh, the clamshell VHS yeah. of that movie. So if you still have a VHS player, I can lend that to you. And if anyone out there isn't aware, it's just Rodney Dangerfield 
as a dog. Yeah. <laughs> as I think a, like a basset hound even. So he's all droopy and stuff, just like in real life. With it's a tie. Perfect. With, a, With tie. a tie. Yeah. And I think he drinks like dog martinis and stuff like that. That movie is wicked. Everybody yeah. should watch that one. So did you get into any other comedies? Uh, yeah, but I'll talk about those, I guess, as we get into the actual review later on. Um, sure. I guess the, uh, one, uh, revisit, I guess, of movies, uh, that I did watch was a movie called Street Trash, which... I've never heard of such a movie. Oh, well, uh, Street Trash, I believe from 1981, and directed by Jim Monroe, and it is just a celebration of total filth and like mm-hmm. shit of New York uh, during New York's prime time era of uh, oh I know it's 1987 I, I didn't want to say 1983 so I thought it was earlier so yeah Street mm-hmm. Trash um, it is oh, let's see uh, it's a movie about a bunch of homeless people living in New York and so the movie kind of is about their day to day lives but it's sort of like this hyper reality like that stylized from like all like kind of like just like the houses all being brought down and kind of being just left in ruins and like these people all living amongst the shambles of like this New York being kind of forgotten. But then there's this right. B plot of like this like bad batch of booze that is available at the local like uh, cheap liquor store. Um, mm-hmm. And what happens as soon as you drink any of that is that you begin to explode and melt uh, in oh, like in like cool. comical horrific fashion, like just like in all sorts of colors. Uh, purples, mm. yellows, blues, reds just comes pouring out of you. Like you basically wind up looking like an abstract painting. Mm-hmm. And like this movie, like really, like I don't know, it went all out in the uh, effects department because it's just like incredible longing shots of just people exploding. Um, it's got amazing dialogue, uh, mm-hmm. amazing performances. It's got like really great use of Steadicam throughout. Um, the, the director of the film, he went on to become uh, a cinematographer working on other people's projects. Uh, he sh- actually worked on a Academy Award winning film, uh, a little movie called Crash Ooh. from 10 years ago. Yep. Um, so he came a long way, I guess, to making that sort of movie from uh, something like Street Trash, which uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've only seen Street Trash, I guess, a few times, but I just like totally love that movie. Uh, it's probably not for everybody. It's kind of in that John Waters cam- uh, world of kind of like kind of weird camp. Uh, maybe not. It's like gross. actually. Oh, it's gross. Um, there's some strange sexual politics at work in this film. Um, mm. I think yeah. So yeah, amongst the film's many successes, uh, it does really keep you on your toes. This is my little uh, uh, snippet review of Street Trash. Uh, the, mm-hmm. There's a scene where a, a detective he beats the shit out of a like mobster guy. And uh, this is in a bathroom and he beats him up and tosses him down on the ground right in front of a urinal. And so at this point you expect, oh, he's going to take his dick out and piss all over his face. But mm-hmm. on contraire, no, no. So the detective he proceeds to like shove his finger down his own throat and he just vomits all over the, like the head of the man he's just mm-hmm. beaten up. And it's like, well, I, I never expected that. Um, it's called the rusty fishbowl. What, you never done one of those? No, uh, I guess not. Now I know. Uh-huh. It's yeah. uh that's down in the the hard streets, man. That's yeah. a power play. I know all about that. Mm-hmm. So well, that movie sounds kind of gross, but I might. Check oh, it out. it's it's gross and weird and funny and like mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> it's got some yeah some strangeness and just like the, everyone's just like home like horrible and homeless and disgusting and um but it's it comes off as like pretty fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's like it's very much like a trauma movie. 
but I think it's like its production values are a lot better. Like everything just looks a little bit better. Um, where does all the money for trauma movies go? Where does it go into the budget? You yeah. mean? Yeah, because it seems like trauma movies are like super schlocky, but it's like they have to have some money, right? Well, even schlock costs money to pr- pull off, I guess. Oh, uh, it's expensive garbage. Yeah. yeah, there's like, well, there's a, it's like mid middle brow trash, I guess. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, I, um, I can buy that. Yeah, so I mean, that's about it uh, for now for my creeping on. Um, so what, what's happening in this creep world, RJ? Well, since I ruined your news, you I'll, sure uh, did. I'll, I'll fill it with uh, some some other news. Okay. Uh, one thing that's pretty neat I found out today to coincide not just with Stephen King's birthday, but with my finishing of Song of Susanna, Dark Tower. Yes. Uh, as you know, there's a Dark Tower movie coming out next year. But did you know that today they announced that there is also going to be a companion TV series with uh, Idris Elba rep- reprising his role and the kid they got to play Jake, I think his name's Tom Taylor, he's going to reprise his role. And it's going to be like a 10 or 13 episode show. And it's going to be about uh, book four uh, called The Wizard and Glass, which is like the prequel, which is about like Roland the gunslinger as like a little kid. So it's going to, the show is going to be that. And then it's going to kind of, it'll flash forward to like Idris Elba telling the story to the kid because that's kind of how the book plays out okay but uh it'll be like a little mini series of like 10 episodes that all about the prequel of um that book and i think you actually might like that one because it's it's more of like it's basically just a straight western there's like no magic there's no like fantasy elements to it like there's an old crone who lives up on the hill who has a crystal ball but uh it doesn't really amount to anything she can just like see what people are doing because she's kind of like a conniver other than that it's like just a straight desolate western so that might be up your alley mm, yeah have you heard of this are you interested i i didn't notice that today actually in passing and i was just kind of like that's so strange that we went through like 30 years of no dark tower or anything and now mm-hmm. we're, we, we get a movie and a tv show that are going to be happening at like, the same time yeah it, it is kind of weird and that's like so I'm still like unsure what the movie's gonna be about because it seems like it's more of like an amalgamation of all seven books, but with like specific elements of it. And like when I heard that before I had listened to all the books, I was like, oh, that's kind of stupid. But as now that I'm six out of seven down, it's like, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You can you can trim out a, a good bit of this stuff. But right. uh, the the prequel thing, like that's that's ideal for like uh, serialized like a show or something like a 10 episode show or something like whether yep. it goes to HBO or Netflix or wherever it's going to go. Cause I think, um, I don't think it could go to like just cable or anything. Cause, uh, you do get some pretty ranch or raunchy stuff. Like a couple people get burned alive in that book. And a lot of people, there's like mutants and stuff like that. So there's some, some gross stuff. So I don't, I can't see it going to like ABC or something like that. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there's fighting and drinking and sex and uh, all the good stuff, you know, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, so that's all I really had to say about that. I did. I heard this weird thing just now and like, it's not really news, but like I, I thought maybe you could make some sense of it. Okay. Have you heard of this movie from Paramount called uh, monster trucks? No. 
So did you you know they made like a new MacGyver TV show? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, they made a new MacGyver TV show. And the guy who plays MacGyver is in this Monster Trucks movie. And uh, Jane uh, Levy from Don't Breathe, like the the female lead, she's in the movie too. And I remember I saw a preview for it a while ago. And I thought it looked pretty, pretty cool, like pretty fun. It's like about like a big slug dragon dog monster that like hides out in a truck and then it makes the truck alive and they like drive it around it's like an et type of thing like it like it's obviously like a movie for kids or something but okay it caught it caught my attention so is is, is this so is your news that uh this film is already like expected to lose 115 million (laughs) dollars it is but you know what's really weird so they say it's like tracking to lose 115 million but it doesn't come out until january that's like four or five like that's like four months from now Mm -hmm. can like is that can you even track like ahead that far like how confident are they that this movie is going to flop that bad that like in four months they they know it's just going to be fucking horrible well man it's so weird because i guess like they i mean you have to figure that like these bean counters in like hollywood would be able to track this stuff fairly accurately but yeah. if they're so good at their job, why do they make bombs? Like, why would they make a movie that's, like, set to fail? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <coughs> it seems... I just uh, thought it was... I just thought it was a weird thing to hear where it's, like... Not that it's, like, at tracking to, like, lose money, but it's just, like, so far in advance. I was, like, I've, I haven't seen anything <laughs> like that before. So it's kind of weird. And I saw the trailer. Like, I can imagine a lot of kids and families going to it. It's, it's exactly what I would want to see as a little kid. Hmm. So I don't know what the deal is. It's weird. Yeah. Time? I don't know. We'll see, I guess. But yeah. I thought uh, you and your your weird knowledge could help me out here, but I guess not. No, I mean, I haven't. I've never heard of that. I like. I've never seen an article that's like a studio saying, "Yeah, this movie's gonna suck." It's like, is this like kind of like weird, like priming this movie to be a cult movie so people will go see it to like help. Uh, support it maybe i don't know it's it's so far in advance i just don't understand jer maybe they don't know if it's going to make it but they're like hey maybe this movie's going to suck let's present it as like this movie's going to be the one that sucks everyone should become like into this movie and check it out like it's actually a marketing strategy yeah that is a bizarre one like i don't know i mean it's just like sports you have to go in with some confidence otherwise you already lost the game yeah exactly (coughs) so so that's weird yeah. Other than that, I don't really have anything to talk about. Do you got anything other than uh, Steve and Tabby getting uh, sexually compatible? No. Um, I think I was just going to ask you, do you what, what are your what do you have any fond uh, memories of Stephen King on with his sixty nine years on this planet? Um. Well, there was a time when uh, I was really lonely, and he came out, and I, I actually have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, I do, I do really like Stephen King. I think he's a great author. Like, uh, I am one of those fans, as you would say. I like all his stuff, like even the bad stuff. I, I like that too. He's such a. I find he's such a, like his writing is so cinematic and like expressive that you can just fall into one of his books and just read for. You just keep turning pages because it's so easy to read. It's like you're talking with a a good chum. So I don't know. I like him. I'm not one of those guys who's like Stephen King. Yeah, I think he's pretty cool. Yeah, that's the, the, the that's there's like the lazy, easy dismissal one can have of Stephen King. That's kind of unfair. I think the thing too is like 
I don't think there's a more prolific author. Like he's he. I think people might make fun of me, but like I call him our generation's like Shakespeare because <laughs> like can you even name an author that like has achieved the heights that he has? Like dude's got like a fucking hundred books, uh, like eighty plus movies on his books. Um, people like refer to other people as like the Stephen King of something. It's like oh he's the Stephen King of like romantic sex books. Or he's the Stephen King of this or that. Like, I don't know, man. I think he's. I think he's gonna do pretty good. So people might want to keep their eyes out for this uh, hot up and coming Stephen King. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Okay. Well, I guess that's that for this week. And uh, onward after the break, we're gonna be talking about Rob Reiner and a fictional rock and roll band. Seventeen classic albums, countless unforgettable concert triumphs. They changed the face of British rock music forever. And the best part is, they're back. Now, they're on the verge of the greatest comeback of all time. Rock and roll! This is their moment. Right straight through this door here, down the hall. Yeah, turn right. Their time has come. Rock and roll! Any minute now. Any second. Hello, stage. I think we're lost. There's a little job there. About 30 no. feet. Jog to the left. Get ready. Get set. Heavy metal's deep. You can get stuff out of it. My name is Marty DeBerge. I'm a filmmaker. One man dares to probe the hidden secrets. I was just pointing at it. I... Well, don't point even. Don't even point. No, it can't be played. Never. I mean, can I look at it? One man dares to hear the shocking answers. It's tragic, really. He exploded on stage. To questions like, 
Is the world really ready for Spinal Tap? You put a greased, naked woman yes. on all fours yes. with a dog collar with around dog her collar. neck and a, leash and a leash and pushing a black glove in her face to sniff it. You don't find that offensive? No, you don't, don't find that sexist? Well, you should Listen have seen the cover they wanted to do. After years of vicious gossip, the official explanation was he choked on vomit. Well, I can't prove whose vomit it was. Years of ugly rumors. It's a passing thing. This is a fact. And you are Spinal Tarp? Oh, what's going on here? Hi. Now, the vicious, ugly truth can be told. Well, I'm sure I'd feel much worse if I weren't under such heavy sedation. where eardrums go to die come the living legends of rock and roll lunacy. This is Spinal Tap. You know, it's like Hemingway said, you know, remember them as they were and write them off. And we're back. And we're talking This is Spinal Tap from 1984, directed by Rob Reiner. First, a synopsis. A lumbar puncture, also known as a spinal tap, is a medical procedure in which a needle is inserted into the spinal canal, most commonly to collect cerebral spinal fluid for diagnostic testing. The main reason for a lumbar puncture is to help diagnose diseases of the central nervous system, including the brain and spine. Examples of these conditions include meningitis and subarachnoid hemorrhage. It may also be used therapeutically in some conditions. Increased intracranial pressure is a contraindication due to risk of brain matter being compressed and pushed toward the spine. Sometimes lumbar puncture cannot be performed safely. It is regarded as a safe procedure, but postural puncture headache is a common side effect. The procedure is typically performed under local anesthesia using a sterile technique. A needle is used to access the subarachnoid space and fluid collected. Fluid may be sent for biochemical, microbiological, and cytological analysis. Lumbar puncture was first introduced in 1891 by the German physician Heinrich Quench. I'm going to quench your Heinrich, pal. <laughs> you think you're a real grade-A jokester, huh? Yeah, that's what I yeah? do. Well, our fan is not going to appreciate that. Sorry, Oliver. Right? Yeah. O- Oliver friend did. Of the, friend, of, <clears throat> friend of the show, Oliver, he's not going to appreciate no. that. O- Oliver did lowbrow e- humor. Oliver did email us because uh, he wanted to correct me on the uh, Room 234, uh, 237 fiasco. But I think before he sent the email, uh, you had already called me out on it. So uh, there we go. He cares, damn it. Well, See? Friend of the show. So anyway, moving on. So this is Spinal Tap, the movie. Uh, this is a documentary uh, directed by uh, Marty DeBergi, uh, who's played by Rob Reiner, uh, as he documents the American tour of British metal band Spinal Tap as they promote their new album, Smell the Glove. The band is made up of David St. Hubbins, Nigel Tufnell, Derek Smalls, and various ill-fated drummers, uh, currently Mick Shrimpton, and keyboardist Viv Savage. As the documentary proceeds, we get to meet the band in various interviews, and while they appear to be competent musicians, they are kind of dim, drawl, and not particularly imaginative when it comes to the creative or inspired side of things like lyrics and content and themes uh we get to experience their tour as it basically goes down the toilet contrary to the best efforts of their manager ian faith their album covers pull for a black non-cover low attendances at concerts and signings etc uh 
David's girlfriend Janine arrives and brings the darkness of the cliched Yoko Ono figure into things. Pods fail to open, uh, 18-inch stone hinges, uh, dancing druid midgets, inner band turmoil and strife, bad bookings, delusion and sadness abound. This is Spinal Tap. So, RJ, what is your history with the film This is Spinal Tap? Uh, You're going to get mad at me. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I had always thought that I had seen this movie. Yep. And then about a half an hour in, I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever fucking seen this movie. <laughs> I just, it's one of those things where like I bring it up all the time, but it's like, I feel like it's just been like absorbed through other mediums so many times, like different TV and shows like yep. mimic it and like take from it so much. Like I f- it's one of those things where it's like through other things. I thought that I had sure. seen it. So, yeah. yeah, like I thought I'd seen it. But when I watched it, I was like, you know what? I've never seen this fucking movie. So <laughs> it was the first time this week. Okay. Well, like, so for me, like the first, like my first like encounter with Spinal Tap was The Simpsons. Uh, there was mm-hmm. the episode The Auto Show, uh, which aired in 1992. And so mm-hmm. I was eight years old in 1992, uh, not nine yet. And uh, yeah, so at the time... I kind of just thought, oh, it's Spinal Tap. They're a real band. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize it was sort of this elaborate inside joke that, like, oh, no. It's like, well, this is, like, a real band. Like, they've, they've actually toured, but it's not, like, real in uh, a legitimate sense. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's just, like, these actors that, like, are playing these musicians. And they're it's, like, a strange blurring of reality, I guess, because... Mm-hmm. I guess was will go on like I mean they actually did have a tour like in the last like seven years, but anyway, um, I guess like what I'd like to talk about with this is I guess just talking about like uh, like mockumentary as a form because like as you just like kind of talked about sure. like how um, I mean you thought you've seen this and in a lot of ways mm-hmm. I mean like it's so it's ridiculous how influential this film is. I guess because I mean like, I was like reading up about mockumentaries and I guess like you'd have like. Uh, April Fool's Day jokes like on news stations back in the 60s that would kind of do like sort of these like mockumentary type of things. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like the one like go to for a lot of like these articles I was reading was like talking about or- Orson Welles and his uh, uh, War of the Worlds radio uh, prank thing and talking about how that's like a mockumentary, which is like, I, is that, I don't is that know. accurate? Like, not, well, I not, wouldn't say that. I wouldn't, me neither. Um, it's just like a prank. <laughs> right, right. And it's, it's, yeah, but it's like sort of like that fine line of like, fiction like or presenting something as yeah, real sure. i get it's like i don't know it's goofy I, I, people just like to bring orson welles into conversations i think and they like to take be like I, I think they like the idea that like they're the first person to tell somebody about that war of the world's radio thing <laughs> like they're like you haven't heard about that so maybe you maybe i'll throw it out there and i'll be really impressive <laughs> but it's like seriously I, like i remember like, i knew that as a kid <laughs> Yeah, what a bunch of assholes. Um, yeah, and I mean, like, come yeah, on. I mean, Woody Allen even did the same thing in that Radioland movie of his. But and speaking of Woody Allen, I mean, he uh, he was doing the whole uh, found or not found footage thing, the mockumentary thing, because his like first movie, like Take the Money and Run, mm-hmm. it's like a kind of like a crime documentary with like footage of it inside of it with a narrator and stuff like that. And then like actually a year before Spinal Tap came out, he did Zelig, which is like completely done as like a mockumentary. Um, right. but I think it's like, this is spinal tap 
because it's like pretty overtly like a comedy where Zelig's like a fine line like it's kind of like laughing about like the conceits of documentary filmmaking I think this is Spinal Tap is past that like it's not making fun of documentary filmmaking it's like just talking about like it's both the characters themselves mm-hmm. um, and I mean this is Spinal Tap sets the I mean Christopher Guest who is in the in this is Spinal Tap I mean his like whole like successful career was making like uh, mockumentary films like Waiting for Guffman and uh, uh, For Your Consideration and stuff like that um, sure. the Borats your Brunos um, then, uh-huh. and then like I mean there's even the like the whole like found footage and horror like it's like sort of like played upon that idea like a Blair Witch Project um, mm-hmm. and then like I think though television has probably had the most success in um, making the best out of like the mockumentary format, like something like the office, um, parks and rec, um, arrested development. I mean, they've all like, that's all they basically drew on was this idea of like Mm -hmm. narration and like these like candid interviews one-on-one and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, so like, yeah, I think there's definitely a a thorough line you could draw to like something like the office from this is spinal tap. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's like a really useful tool. Um, cause usually a lot of these productions, they're like, low there's like almost no production budget beyond like uh basic stuff and so for like an independent filmmaker i mean this is like a it's a it's a brilliant way of like pulling off an idea um because it's like well you only have actual places to film stuff in you only have like you have maybe access to like improv actors because uh usually like uh you you should know someone who can do improv you don't want to actually go through the effort of like really writing a script necessarily you can just write an outline which is exactly what they did with this is spinal tap um And I was like kind of looking ahead too. And it's like in the Criterion Collection, I think there's like at least one other mockumentary we'll be watching. And that's Man, uh, Man Bites Dog, which is sort of like a black comedy thing with like uh, a documentary film crew following around a serial killer. Um, oh, which is like, fun. which is like a like, that's like another like weird like subgenre too of these uh, mockumentary serial killer <laughs> things. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like several of those. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, yeah, you have your, your pseudo documentary, you have your docu fiction, your docu drama, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. as these sort of formats. I mean, it's like, uh, it's a easy, it's a popular way of doing something. And like, I guess playing against these like sort of tropes that we recognize, um, because we've watched news or whatever. And so we can see those things being presented and sometimes it's done really well. And sometimes it's done really, really poorly. Um, mm-hmm. so that all being said, RJ, what did you think of the movie This Is Spinal Tap since this was your first viewing? Um, so I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, but this is where the hate mail might come in. I that's about it. I thought it was pretty good. Like I don't have I don't have a like a fond memory of these guys or like a love for this like a cult kind of love for this. Like I don't hold it in like close to me in any way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I have no attachment to it. So, like, just watching it the first time, like, I thought it was pretty good. But um, I just, I don't know. I don't think it's, like, super great or anything like that. Um, I can see why, you, like, when it came out, why it would have been as good as I think was received or why now it has, like, that kind of cult following to it. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I liked it. Um, it's kind of hard to talk about. Like, I think, I think comedies in general like uh are sometimes hard to like talk about because you get into this weird like you get into this weird frame where you're like basically just saying jokes from the movie back and forth do you know what i mean sure so like i want to like 
I'd like to try to avoid me just doing that because I could just I could just name off like a bunch of the jokes I thought were funny but like as a so like as a mockumentary as a whole or like as a movie as a whole I thought they did a lot of things that were really cool like um I thought they played on like a lot of the tropes of like just documentaries and like bands in general yeah. like uh, the curse like like the scenes where they go to like Elvis's grave and stuff like that. And it's, or, uh, like the drummer's curse or like the Yoko Ono stuff, like things like that. I thought were really good. Um, I thought one thing was funny when, uh, they're talking to the manager about why he has a cricket paddle. And he's like, you never know, like when it'd be good to have like a big slab of wood with you. And it like, it does that family guy cut scene thing to where it cuts to like a bunch of different, Mm. scenes of like him using the paddle and stuff like that the family I was like, oh, that's... cut <laughs> well that's what I mean like that's how um like that's like the one thing I I would say glamorizes it the most like I think if you ask like any common dude be like to talk about it they'd be like oh you mean like the family how family guy does but like watching this I was like huh I wonder if they, they were the first people to do that maybe I don't know I couldn't answer you. Yeah, I mean, like uh, that, that would like require like kind of like a investigation into like the history of comedy, like films and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I mean, that's like that's a pretty big project in itself. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, have you yeah. seen like many rockumentaries? Like, have you have you have you seen the uh, Give Me Shelter yet or Don't Look Back? Nope. No. Uh, neither or neither of those. Well, RJ, you will because they are both mm-hmm. future creeps. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll watch them then, and then maybe I'll have more of an appreciation for oh, Spinal Tap. I don't think that like, um, necessarily so, you need to have watched those, though, to get mm-hmm. anything out of the, more than this is Spinal Tap. I mean, but, yeah. So, so yeah, like the thing, like what you were saying with The Simpsons, like I think <laughs> I, I hold that even more dear than like the movie where uh, at the end of the concert, they're like, good night, Springden. There will be no encore. Sure. Like stuff like, like, stuff like that like has stuck with me longer than any of this i guess because i hadn't really seen it but um no they were like individual things i thought were really good i thought the credits were really funny i thought that was like one of the best parts was the credits where it seemed like they were just like busting off lots of jokes um yeah. certain things i really thought or so what i said i try to avoid i'll just name like briefly like things i thought were funny i yeah. liked the scene where they all had herpes oh. uh they all had like herpes in their mouths They're and like they don't address yeah. yeah, they don't address it or anything. I thought that well, was really funny. I think like well, I think the whole setup for that for me like that I thought was really good. Uh, the, watching it this time was just like this whole idea of uh, them like referring to the album covers being sexist, and then but they're like kind of thick, and they're like, well, what what's wrong with being sexy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like this like close up on this cold sore, and then you like then it pans over to the fact that they all have cold sores, and yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, these guys are gross. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So gross band uh, yeah, dudes. Had, gross band dudes. Um, I thought that was really funny. Uh, the pod scene, like you said, is really funny with like the clamshell that won't open. Uh, that whole bit is awesome. I like. I like that they stick it. Uh, there was a funny line where they're talking about spontaneous combustion, <laughs> and the one guy's like, "It happens all the time. It just doesn't yeah. really get reported." Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I wrote down, I don't even remember what this is from, but I wrote down, this is your crab face. I have no idea <laughs> where that happened in the movie or why I thought it was funny, but I liked it enough to write it down. So 
that was really good. Uh, the summer camp for pale young boys, uh, was that called Hogwood? Do you remember? I don't. They bring it up really briefly, but they're like, Hogwood, the summer camp for pale young boys. Uh, that was funny. Um, getting lost, the scene where they get lost underground is uh, really good. Yep. I, there was another scene in the credits where like they're talking to people and it's like I don't know if he was like a roadie or like a drummer at one point but there's like this kind of like big gross guy with like curly hair and they're like what's like what are you doing like and he's like have a good time all the time and he says it really like <laughs> aggressive like really threatening yeah um I don't know I thought that was cool but so yeah like on a whole I really like this movie I thought it was really funny but uh I'm not like, I don't hold it in super high regard or anything like that. Maybe, maybe in time, maybe in time. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's like comedy is like one of the weirdest things. Like, it's so unique to like what time and place of when you watch something. Right. I mean, I'll just like, I mean, I'll, I could ask you like, what's your favorite comedy of all time? I mean, my answer is Dumb and Dumber. Um, like that Sister is, Act Two. Yeah. What's your real favorite comedy though? Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. All right, then. Well, Dumb and Dumber, uh, I, I don't know. There's no critical way for me to, like, think about that movie. Like, I'll just watch yeah. it, and it just makes me laugh. I'm sure that um, a 18-year-old Jarrett watching that movie now, be, upon my recommendation, mm-hmm. would just be like, that movie sucks. Like, I'm sure that that would happen, and it's a completely justified opinion, I suppose. But, I mean, to me, that's like, I, I, I think about that movie a lot. I... Uh, I think it's even uh, basically referred to in our credit notes every single mm-hmm. episode. Um, and mm-hmm. it's like, I think that's like the thing with something like this is Spinal Tap. Um, like, it's just like, it's on those like AFI best comedy of all time lists. And right. um, yeah, it's just like, I don't know. And a lot of those lists are made by people who probably watch this is Spinal Tap, the, at like a very important point in their time, like growing up. And so, right. like, when you see that in 1984, it's like, yeah, that's, like, the best movie. It's a trape-tated movie. You start watching on VHS. Um, and then, like, I don't know. Like, there's there's been a lot of love put into this, like, movie in, like, its various, like, forms. Like, when the mm-hmm. Criterion of this came out back in 98, it had, like, um, multiple commentary tracks and stuff like that. And, like, like tons of, like, deleted scenes. Um, like, all, like, the everything you could possibly imagine. And then uh, with the MGM DVD, which is what I actually watched, I mean, it's got a commentary track with uh, the three characters, um, uh, Christopher Guest and Michael McKean and um, uh, Harry mm-hmm. Shearer, all in character, watching it and, like, complaining about, like, the, the this teardown job and how inaccurate it was and all the things he doesn't show and stuff like that. Um, right. So, I mean, there's, like, a lot of, like, I mean, there's, like, a whole world kind of around this. And, I mean, they they play to that. Even on the DVD, there's, like, a bit with, like, it's an interview with Rob Reiner, but he's in character, and it's, like, done after the fact. And it's kind of, like, hokey. <laughs> like, it doesn't, like, yeah. it's always one of those yeah, things yeah. It's like, whenever, like, people think they can go back and do their like comedy stuff afterwards it always comes off as like pretty inauthentic like there's just something Mm kind of like mm, missing i guess um right um but yeah like so i watched this the first time i guess back in around 2000 or so 2001 just because like it's one of those like movies that like everyone talks about all the time and i guess i uh, for as far as comedies go, I was more drawn toward like these mockumentaries and stuff like that. Cause I'd watched like waiting for Guffman, uh, I think before I'd mm-hmm. seen this. And so I was just like, it was a kind of like a format that I really liked and it seemed to promote 
good comedy, I guess, rather than like scripted stuff, which has a lot of like the same beats and stuff. Because I mean, this like mm-hmm. movie kind of like it has sort of like this weird happy ending that's kind of like, well, they're big in Japan, which is like the other like kind of trope to it. But there's like a certain like yeah, kind of yeah. w- weird like sadness and like good like character play that all the char- like all the actors are able to pull off. And I mean, considering it was just like improvised and like they had it all kind of mapped out. Um, and they just kind of winged it. I mean, that's one thing I've always liked is just uh, when you get like really smart comedians together and the stuff they start putting together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess kind of like what I did with my notes is I kind of like broke down like different aspects of like each of like the, I guess, principal characters or whatever, or like parts of the production of it. So right. um, first up is Rob Reiner. So he's the director of the movie. Um, I guess like mm-hmm. just as a basic little rundown, he's the son of comedian director, writer, Carl Reiner. Um, and Rob Reiner is probably most famously known as Meathead from All in the Family. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen All in the Family? Or was that, uh, out, or was that out of syndication I, when you were growing up? No, I think I caught a couple of it, but nothing yeah. to, uh, nothing worth mentioning. Like, sure. I, I don't have a yeah. the kind of bond I have to that to other shows that were in syndication. So, okay. I, I remember it, but just very vaguely. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I think I remember, like, I was in junior high, I think, when it actually hit syndication uh, in Canada. So, and I kind of watched it, and it's like, I couldn't really, I don't really, really remember anything about like Rob Reiner at all, but it's more like, uh, it's like the Archie Bunker character. Like it's Carol sure. Connor. He's like, sort of like, who I, re- I remember him. Um, but I mean like Rob Reiner, like he had like quite the amazing, like, uh, streak of movies starting with this is spinal tap. Cause from this mm-hmm. is from that he went to, uh, there's like the John Cusack comedy, the sure thing, which I just watched for the first time. Um, and then like, and what a perfect time to mention. So he also directed stand by me, uh, a, right. a Stephen King joint there, um, and Princess Bride, which I guess is like a fairly beloved movie. I haven't watched it for hey. years, um, but I remember being pretty good uh, hey. last time I watched it. Can I say something about Princess Bride? If you want, controversial hot take. Yeah, I think that movie's just okay. Okay, I I don't really like it, or like I think that's another one of those movies, like I was saying earlier, like a Fight Club, uh, Scarface thing, where like the oversaturation and like popular culture and stuff like that has basically ruined that movie for me. Fair enough. Like I just, I can't, I don't want to hear from other people how good that movie is anymore. Just stop it. <laughs> I get it. I, I understand. Do people understand. still talk about that movie though? It seems oh, like it's, fuck yeah. I don't know if they do. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, it seems I like it's, it I feel like it's died off. Um, yeah, but just to finish this run. So, so he went yeah. princess bride, uh, when Harry met Sally, which I also mm-hmm. just watched and uh misery and then i guess you could yeah yeah, then you could kind of uh mark off i guess the he did that a few good men movie which i have yet to watch um Mm -hmm. i was it's it's on my list of uh booze cruise movies uh to get to Uh, and then he went right off the deep end when he made the movie north which i think is like considered like one of the all-time worst films of the 90s won some uh golden raspberries and all that fun stuff and like yeah he hasn't really done anything i'd ever watch uh after that like streak of like six or seven movies um but i I believe you watched a rob reiner movie recently uh i believe it was flipped yeah and i think i talked about it on the show a little bit even i think so so like the thing with that movie it's like i said like it's perfectly serviceable movie like you can pop it on and maybe like it's what i like to call a I'm doing air quotes here for people, a a magazine movie, or Mm -hmm. I guess nowadays you would call it a cell phone movie. So like 
one of those movies where you can throw it on, but you're actually doing something else like cruising social media, checking out babes on the internet, reading a magazine about how to get buff abs, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you kind of just want something on in the background. Yeah. Something like that. Like, um, I don't know. It, it was, I feel like he just wanted to go back to the era of stand by me because that movie was like such a, such like a universal hit for him. And like me, I think he just maybe has like an attachment to the fifties that he really wanted to just be back there or whatever. So I think that was the reason he did that. Otherwise, like there's no real reason that movie has to be set in the fifties. It could kind of be set at any time, like at any era. But right. I think he probably did that just cause he wanted to go back to the fifties. So I don't know. Yeah. It's fine. It's, I mean, that's a pretty, like, common thing, though, amongst, like, these, like, 80s comedies is it seems like all these directors really have a, like, uh, nostalgia, uh, nostalgia for the 50s, which is when they would have mm -hmm. grown up. And so it's, like, really, like, in the music and stuff like that, like, like the National, right. like, the Lampoon's movies and mm -hmm. just all this stuff I was, like, looking at. It's like, oh, yeah, that, yeah. And it's, like, always the same type of music and, like. I don't know, Kenny Loggins and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, oh, he sounds like he could be like a guy out of the 50s in some, in some ways, like an up, updated version of that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, really like, I mean, Rob Reiner is like, at this point, my mental conception of him is formed from the episode of South Park, Butt Out, where he's like mm -hmm. the uh, anti-smoking advocate and uh, buttering himself to get out of cars and through doors. And he's Ugh. basically just this like activist fascist who wants to tell mm -hmm. people how to live their lives. And it's sort of like, sure. that's like really marked my mind. Um, and I think mm -hmm. like he was in like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm and mm -hmm. he's just kind of like this really smiley, nice guy who wants to get his way and stuff like that and just get money out of people mm -hmm. for causes and stuff. So, I mean, that's kind of where Rob Reiner has wound up, I think, to this point. Yep, um, I think that's fair. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, like, while I was, like, reading about that, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, he's, like, the son of Carl Reiner. And I'm like, I really don't know too much about Carl Reiner other than he directed Stanley Kubrick's favorite movie, The Jerk. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Hey, you know what else is interesting? Mm. You know what I heard the other day? Yeah. You know what uh, is one of Stanley Kubrick's absolute favorite movies other than The Jerk? Sister Act 2. Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Uh, close. Uh, White Man Can't Jump. With uh, Woody Harrelson I, and uh, Wesley Snipes. Yes. Yeah, I wonder so, like, how many movies exist that are Stanley Kubrick's favorite movie. Just those two. Uh, well, well, those three. And, and Eraserhead. Oh, yeah. Well, according to David Lynch. Yeah. That's like a... Who who knows, though, if that's how he really felt. Yeah. Maybe, that's like, uh, maybe it was Nicholas all a Winding. dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like how uh, Nicholas Winding Refn has seen like those... Um, What's that guy, uh, Jodorowsky's? He's seen like those Jodorowsky things. And he's like, the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And it's like, like what you said that one time. It's like, well, it's okay for you to say that because you've seen it and you know no one will ever see it. No one else will ever see it. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened. Fuck that guy. What are we even talking about? I don't even well, remember. Also, Carl Reiner. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess like uh, I did. I so I actually watched a Carl Reiner movie uh, in my these, these my eighties dipping because that was summer school. With uh, good old Ooh. Mark Harmon, yeah. And so, yeah, I just started, so I was just like kind of curious about old Carl Reiner and just so I read a little bit about him. 
Um, mm-hmm. So he's like probably most famous. Well, he is probably most famous for uh, uh, him and Mel Brooks's uh, two thousand year old man gimmick that they used to do on the Steve Allen show that they kind of like grew yeah. into a, a thing, which was also then referenced on The Simpsons. <laughs> That's I was gonna say the only reason I even know that was because of that Simpsons episode with Mel Brooks. Otherwise, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, so Simpsons is sort of like uh, has saved so many things, and 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 mm-hmm. Steve Allen. Who who would know who Steve Allen is if it weren't for The Simpsons? Or Steve Gutenberg, for that matter. Nobody. Oh, I, no one would give a shit about Steve Gutenberg if it wasn't for The Simpsons in that one time. The Stonecutters episode? Yeah. yeah. People out there know. Anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Carl Reiner, I mean, uh, I'm sure uh, someone who really knows a lot about him could talk more about him. But, like, yeah, he created a TV show called Head of the Family that he wanted uh, for himself to play the main role, but it wound up with Dick Van Dyke. Um, but I guess Reiner wound up sticking around and writing on that show. And I guess it was... Mm-hmm. Uh, popular show in the 60s maybe uh our, our friend steven will inform us more about it how i'm skimming over such important information about carl reiner i'm sure he but he will. directed like uh there's this one movie called where's papa which has been on my radar to watch for years and i think it just came out on blu-ray uh he directed the movie oh god which is the movie where george burns plays god mm-hmm. um and then yeah he worked with steve martin a whole bunch uh they, like i said the jerk <coughs> excuse me <coughs> Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, The Man with Two Brains, and All of Me. Um, mm-hmm. And shockingly enough, Carl Reiner, uh, who was born in 1922, is still alive, and he's on Twitter. Jeez. <coughs> oh, so wait, if he was born in 1922, what does that make him, 280? <coughs> well, he's got to get to Gee. 2000, I guess. Because yeah. Mel Brooks is still alive. Yeah, exactly. Even Gene Wilder didn't make it as long as those guys. He sure didn't. So what's what's their excuse? Uh, I don't know. He's got to be tough old Jew bastards, I guess. Oh my god! <laughs> well, there goes our one fan. Ah, uh, that's that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, so oh, so I guess yeah, a couple other things. So, uh, Christopher Guest, like I mentioned, uh, he directed. Mm-hmm. He went on to direct movies like Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, for your consideration. And uh, he's got a new movie coming out, Mascots, which just showed up at TIFF, uh, like a mm-hmm. few weeks ago. Um. Hey, RJ, uh, do you know who Christopher mm-hmm. Guest is married to? Uh, I'm just gonna go out on a limb here and say Carl Reiner. You'd be incorrect. He is married oh. to Jamie Lee Curtis. Really? Yeah. So old Nigel Tufnell is married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Laurie Strode herself. Good for him. Yeah. Um, is that in Rise Days? Were they married then? What's that? He repeat that. Were they that? married Skype when True Lies came out? Uh, probably. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> That's uh, all I got to say. Hey, RJ, did you know Christopher Guest is a fucking English baron? <laughs> By peerage, mm-hmm. yeah. Like so, I guess like no. his, yeah. So his like, yeah. It's kind of amazing, like reading about Christopher Guest. Like I guess his like father was like a some sort of diplomat. I mean, he right. like, he wound up with like like one of those like with a baron like title, and then when he died, it went to Christopher Guest. So Christopher mm-hmm. Guest is like honorable, like honorable Christopher Guest. But I don't think he really like, I, don't, I think it fell out of favor because some vote came to pass that like that type of thing couldn't happen anymore. And he's like kind of for all abolishing like the lordship and stuff like that. But yeah, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's so peculiar to me because it's just like, oh, this like comedy goofball and he's got like all this going on for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like uh, I mean, so yeah, your three leads in uh, this is Spinal Tap. They're all like Saturday Night Live alumni, which I guess shouldn't be really surprising. Cause so Harry Shearer, who's uh, Derek Small's Mr. Mutton Chops in the movie, um, mm-hmm. so he was the co-creator and he's actually the co-writer with Rob Reiner on This Is Spinal Tap. Right. So like this is like kind of like really his like thing, but yeah, he is obviously most well known as the many 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 voices on that television show, The Simpsons. Um, he's Mr. Burns and Waylon Smithers and like lots and lots and lots of characters. I guess like Mm -hmm. he's really kept himself on the map just because like all the times he's like threatened to leave the show for more money. And then he was just like getting tired of how bad like the Simpsons has gotten. But I guess the money's remained good enough that he stayed on, even though he's threatened to leave. Like I thought he was actually going to be gone for a while, but I don't think he ever did leave. Well, I think what happened last year was he threatened to leave and he actually was. And yep. then they like got a guy to replace him. Right. And then there, it was like a big cultural thing for or not cultural, but it was like a, in the media for a big yeah, like for like a week or two or something like that. And then eventually he's like, oh, no, we got him back. Yeah. Hank Azaria could have just filled in all those spots. <laughs> yeah. What does he need a throat for? Nope. Nothing. Nope. nope. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you? What are we talking about, Adam? <coughs> yeah, a while ago. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. Whoops. Well, so yeah, I mean, it's so, like the band Spinal Tap. They've uh, gone on to play several concerts, including Live Earth in London in 2007. Um, they shot like a little like kind of uh, final tour little documentary. I think Rob Reiner shot as like a short film called Spinal Tap. 2009, they released a Back from the Dead album to commemorate the 25th anniversary of the film. Uh, they re-recorded versions of the song for uh, the soundtrack, five new songs. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, like, I guess like in The Mighty Wind, like they have like also another like fictional band in that, and that, that's the Folksmen. Um, I guess okay. like the one thing that's like pretty impressive is like they're actually fairly good musicians. Um, yeah, which, that's so I, yeah, sorry. Oh, they, no, they are. Yeah. That's a, yeah. <laughs> no, well, so anyways, uh, like I was, I was going to say, I was watching uh, Spinal Tap with um, Andrea, my girlfriend, and she was like, who did the music for this movie? And I was like, I think it looks like they did it. Yeah. She's like, she's like, no, but for real, like Google it or something. And like, I, I was trying to, and I was like, I was like, I think they just made the music. Yeah. So we, my point was, I guess I was surprised to find out that they, I guess, did all the music themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's crazy. Yeah, they were yeah. really good at it. Yeah, they're very good. I would have never, I would have never thought that guy. Uh, what's his name? Like Mike McKean, the yeah. lead singer, yeah. the guy I've seen in like a million other oh, things. Yeah. My, like, my only note for him uh, when I was like looking at this stuff was like he's like been in everything forever. Like he is forever. Just, oh my yeah, like he's like in like twelve movies a year kind of thing. And like mm-hmm. and I totally forgot. And I was like, oh wait, yeah, he's in Better Call Saul because <laughs> he's uh yeah he is yeah he's his brother. Yep. Yeah, he's in fucking everything. Like, because I recognized him, like, after a minute, I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's in fucking every movie I've ever seen. Yeah. And, like, just a gauntlet of TV shows as well, so. Oh, yeah, no, his huh. uh, his filmography is pretty extensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Did you, uh, like, your uh, boy Bruno Kirby from City Slickers uh, little moment? Fucking right, you know I did. Love City Slickers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Bruno Kirby also showed up in When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Is uh, the orgasm? Uh, no. Can you, are you, are you sure though? Are you just saying that blindly? <laughs> Nothing's certain. Are you, 
Nothing is certain. Nothing certain. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, I always okay. mentioned with Harry, uh, when Harry met Sally, I'd never seen that movie before, and uh, I was really impressed of how well written that movie. I know. But did hey, did you like uh, Billy? Well, speaking of Billy Crystal, Billy Crystal's uh, cameo in This Is Spinal Tap. Yeah, I thought it was so weird because I saw him. I was like, "Hey, man, Billy Crystal," and then he was gone. And then he was just yep. he was just gone. I was like, "Oh," I was like, "Whoops, sorry, Billy." Yeah, good old mime is money. Mime mm-hmm. is money. Yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite Spinal Tap song? Uh, was it Sex Farm? Yeah. Yeah, I like Sex Farm. Okay, I'm. I I, I have a preference, I guess, to Big Bottom. Oh yeah, Big Bottom's pretty good. Yeah. Um, is that on a shark sandwich? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, that brings me to my. That's probably my absolute favorite, like moment of the entire movie. Cause, like, I forgot about it. Um, but yeah, just like the whole setup and like I I watched the video again of it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just on YouTube by itself. It's like six seconds long. But it's just like Rob Reiner. Like he's obviously just like feeding this line that they didn't see coming at all it's in reference to the mm-hmm. album shark sandwich uh reference to a review that's only two words long shit sandwich and like i fucking yeah. laughed like probably for a good like minute or so after that and then like so i missed like the fact that like obviously christopher guest and uh michael mckean like they just like started like they had to cover their faces because they're just like what that's not real that's you couldn't print that as a review like they're trying to like throw it back at him but like because they just did not see it coming whatsoever but i mean who could who could see shit sandwich coming and like i don't know it's so (laughs) rob reiner's got jokes (laughs) yeah he he nailed that one Mm -hmm. um but yeah no and like i kind of like always like remembered like the whole stonehenge like sequence like i remember like him marking like the symbol for inches after the 18 and like the whole setup of it and like uh, with their manager in the room with like the woman who built it and she's like no this is it and then like I, I saw it all coming and then like I, I, I'm like oh yeah and then they lower it but I'm like but wait isn't there like midgets and then sure enough yeah. the music starts playing and they're just like dancing around and like one of them accidentally kicks it and it just starts flutting or flittering around like man yeah. that it's good stuff yeah I mean so yeah I mean like as far as like my own feelings with the movie um it, it had it's probably been about 15 years since I watched it last like I remember mm-hmm. Um, like really being into mockumentary stuff, uh, like in the early two thousands, and like right. I, I watched it, and like I never really felt real any impulse to rewatch it for a long time, um, and so watching it again, it, there's like some down moments. There's like times mm-hmm. where it's just like set up, and it's just like I mean, it's just how these sort of like improv things can go. Like not every single thing is like killer tight editing, like we kind of come to expect with. Um, like Arrested Development, which is kind of doing the same thing, but it's so packeted right. and sharp that mm-hmm. watching something with like with these kind of things where like they're trying to do a feel out and like make it feel like a naturalistic documentary, you have to allow for that. And so, mm-hmm. um, like I think, uh, like there's like enough in this that I think it's like still like really funny. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not one of my all time favorite comedies or anything like that. Um, it's it's no Sister Act two. It's no Dumb and Dumber. It's mm-hmm. no uh, something about Mary. Heavyweights. Yeah. You can throw heavyweights in there. Yeah, I know. I'll. Uh, yeah, I, I watched heavyweights for the first time upon RJ's uh, recommendation uh, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of there. I don't really. Well, I, you know what? You're you're a loser. A loser with a skinny no, wiener. You know, it's it's a perfect demonstration though of like kind of like the problem with like coming to comedies like long after the fact. Just like anim- yep. like 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 we've been talking about uh, Animal House or whatever, Caddyshack. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of there. Yeah. 
Um, like the, the most you can really hope for is that your, your comedy is like kind of inoffensive or kind of like well written that you can get mm-hmm. something else out of it. Like, I think like when Harry met Sally is still like a pretty good movie, even though you never see these people living in New York, go to their jobs at all in 12 years of their entire mm-hmm. like relationship. Um, which is like, who needs a job when you live in New York city from what I hear? Um, hey, uh, so your your opinion on uh, heavyweights is known now, but uh, did you even see that scene where Salami Sam has a salami taped to his back? Because uh, that's just cinema gold, yeah. my friend. Um, so, well, I, uh, I will say that Ben Stiller is really, really funny in that movie because he's completely serious. He takes it. Yeah. That's what about of, all the fat kids? Yeah, they're kids. They're, they're kids yeah. in movies. I don't know. They're, Jerry Stiller's in there too. They're That's fat. Pretty cool. They're fat. It's like, yeah. yeah. Fat. Um, well, so, anyways. So, one of my questions, I guess, with uh, this is Spinal Tap, is like with the actual band, it's like, are they hack musicians? Because there's sort of this narrative of how they they kind of started off as like, they're, they're kind of like of the time of whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever a more pa- popular band is doing, they're going to adopt to that. And so, like, they start right. off as sort of like a Beatles esque sort of band or like uh, the Birds. And then, then they move like, or then they start doing like the 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 hippie music when they start mm-hmm. doing the Flower People song, which I actually I think is like a really catchy song. Um, mm-hmm. I like that song quite yeah. a bit. Um, but it's like kind of weird. So it's like then they got into metal, and but they never left metal. And like there's like I'm not sure. It's like have they reached an age where they like they don't know what the next trend would be because like that would be the the thing was like they would transition to like whatever the next like in style of music is. Like they would transition into like a Joy Division type of thing or like Depeche Mode maybe, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they, they get stuck on this rut. So I thought like that was kind of like an odd thing. Like it was just stuck in my mind. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, they're making a they're doing a send up of oh. metal, heavy metal stuff. But and it's just funny to do like sequences where you can recreate old stuff and make mm-hmm. it like and shoot it like on the right type of video to make it look right. Which is something like I love attention to detail like that. That stuff like right. is like just funny in itself um like it's one of the reasons why uh like those like sam raimi spider-man movies when they do like the news broadcast stuff it yeah. does it doesn't look like a news broadcast like it looks like f- a fake movie and they're doing it and it's like it's awful and it's just like mm-hmm. this is like this is a, this movie has like nothing but resources at his fingertips but it's they can't even do that properly it, bug, it bothers me and i don't know why it bugs me so Ooh. much but it does well, when we get Sam to guest uh, on the show, you can ask him what the fuck he was doing. Oh, I'm sure he'll be too busy, I don't know, working on Ash versus the Evil Dead or something. Yeah, but how much is he even really involved in that show? Oh, I don't know. I think he might be pretty involved. He seems to like... Cause he like, only directed the one episode, I think. Yeah, well, I think he's a producer on it. He seems to be like involved with all that remake stuff. And I don't know. Eh. That Then there's that great, wonderful Oz thing. Eh. <laughs> Oh, that did really good. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of stopped caring about Sam Raimi after uh, A Simple Plan, which is his best movie. Because um, after that, it's it's all just been like I don't know, Drag Me to Hell. I think's terrible. Shit sandwich. Co- contrary to like people yeah, like that, that movie. movie a, sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But people like that movie a lot, apparently, and I don't get it. I think it's like super generic. Uh, I wouldn't go so far as saying it sucks, but I don't really like it, and I don't want to watch it mm-hmm. again. But eh, I never liked that movie, and that was even before yeah. it was a cool. I was like, I don't get this at all. And then everyone's like, oh, it's it's a return to roots. It's it's classic horror. I was like, Pfft. yeah. So that's my hot take. Yeah. 
Um, on the Wikipedia page for the movie, there's actually like this like whole section about like bands' reactions to the movie, and it's just mm-hmm. like just like various people who've like watched it, it's like saying, "Whoa, that's just like us." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's why they're making fun of you because musicians are kind of like the worst people. <laughs> yeah. Like they're just like generally like pretty." boring like macho dudes like bands of just guys like yeah they're terrible and it's like yeah it's pretty easy to make fun of them if people are like yeah it's totally it um mm-hmm. i guess like the one that made me laugh was like it's like aerosmith uh so whatever steve tyler i guess he wasn't a fan of it because i guess like aerosmith's like album that came out like right when this came out had stonehenge on the cover <laughs> and i'm like <laughs> well <laughs> Well, he had it coming. Yeah. And I guess like, uh, I think like Kurt Cobain or something like that was like talking about, um, oh God, what was it? Uh, like he, he thinks like there's never been a good like documentary made about music or anything like that. And then like Dave Grawl just jumped in. It's like, oh, well there was Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap's pretty awesome. And they went, yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. good. And I guess don't look back too. But yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, I guess the other thing too that I'll mention is like kind of like a strange thing thing watching it this time was like the whole like the i guess the genie character kind of like you, you the yoko ono like yep. cliche thing i mentioned before it's like is that just strike you as like kind of like it's fine in the movie or is it kind of just like lazy because like even at that time like the whole idea of like oh yoko ono is going to destroy your band like that's the idea of like it's always like some guy's girlfriend destroying a band uh-huh. even though it's like not really generally the case or it's like there's like other problems yeah um i don't know i I thought it was it fit with what they were doing. It didn't mm-hmm. pull me out of it or anything like no. that. So. Yeah. I just like it's just no, like I thought it was fine. Yeah, I'm just like so aware, I guess, of that. Um I guess I've read like a lot about Yoko Ono's like day to day stuff that she's like been doing and stuff like that and her like whole art practice. And she's this yeah. like super fascinating person that just like for like a lot of people they just like she's a punchline to like stupid mm-hmm. jokes about the Beatles and it's like, oh that's crap. And so like this is mm-hmm. like sort of like the continuation of it but i mean obviously it's like there's like nothing like obvious it's not like she's into super like conceptual art or remotely interesting she's just sort of this like uh groupie who's into uh like new age stuff and Mm -hmm. and has terrible ideas though those drawings that she comes up with of gemini and leo and stuff like that those are pretty great uh drawings and renditions of them as i whatever they wouldn't know anything about that (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, I thought you what you were going to say is when you like fell for her was the fact that you yourself have split up a lot of bands. Like, yeah, uh, I, I believe uh, that's Jared, when the uh, film board Duncan is the reason Nickelback isn't making new music anymore. Sorry, and guys. the world wept. Yeah. Yeah. And Creed. They're mm-hmm. not doing anything anymore. Probably because of you. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'm doing good work, I guess. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. One other thing that I, I just actually found out about before um, doing this whole show with you was that I was reading about this uh, n- another fake metal band called Bad News that I guess uh, is a UK thing on a show called The Comic Strip Present on Channel Four there, and it like this band it's like it's like a fake heavy metal band that like showed up in 1983, so a year before Spinal Tap. But yeah. it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, it just sounded like a total coincidence, which I guess, like, I mean, just tells you that at that period of time, I mean, I guess this type of thing was ripe to be made fun of. Like, mm-hmm. <coughs> I mean, there's, like... So, are you saying that Rob Reiner <coughs> stole the idea? That's the exact opposite of what I'm saying. Well, I'm going to call Rob Reiner's attorney and let him uh, give him your information. So, okay, you'll be hearing from him. He, he's on Twitter, yeah. too. 
I guess him and his... Rob Reiner? Yeah, Rob Reiner's on Twitter and him and uh, Carl, they have some back and forth talking about Donald Trump and stuff. Is it comical or is it sad? Oh, it's not comical. Once you start oh. once you start getting into that world, um, it's there's there's no more time for laughs, RJ. Well, we can laugh because we we don't live there, so that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing can hurt us. <laughs> no, yeah, we're untouchable by strange decisions that uh, American electorate might be making. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I was looking up who hates this movie. Okay. Um, half star from a username Pity Sex. This movie Ew. sucked dick just like the band members. That's a little unfair to say. He doesn't know whether or not they did or yeah. didn't. Um, uh, Dev X uh, gave this one and a half star. This is Spinal Tap tried to be cool before we fully understood what what cool was. There's no doubt that this paved the way for what we uh, what become a certain brand of satire. Unfortunately, it feels very dated in retrospect. What may have once seemed provocative and smart now feels childish and almost in bad taste. Mm. <coughs> um, I don't know about that. And then, like, the next three reviews I came across, they all make the exact same comment of, last were far and few between. <laughs> so there's one guy okay. here. Yeah, last were far and few between. That's pretty much all. Um, another one and a half star here. So this is Spinal Tap. Uh, the last were so far and few between. <laughs> um, <coughs> yeah, and then like I think in the comments on that one, someone's like quoted the the last were so far and few between and just said thank you. <laughs> like, so I don't like do do these guys all get organized and do this, or are they so like? unoriginal that they were just using each other's or was it just was the joke just on them jared i think it's just like i have to ask i bet you if you look at like a lot of comedy uh reviews and stuff you will probably find a lot of like that's like the common refrain of people who just don't like this movie the last Mm. were so far and few between and that's just what they have to say about stuff that's not a very uh it's not a very good review though no it's not I mean, the one they, guy does yeah. like kind of talk about how, like, now that we live in a world with like things like The Office and Arrested Development and stuff like that, and how, yeah, like this maybe is like hasn't aged well into like a world where like the comedy keeps evolving and it's like taste mm-hmm. change and stuff like that, which is totally fair. I mean, it pretty well sounds like um, you had sort of a similar reaction, but at the same time, you still like think it's like a well-made movie like it's not a bad movie it's just like not like this thing that you're going to like i'm gonna i can't wait to watch this over and over and over again yeah yeah no i don't i don't have any like uh any ill will against like the comedy of it or like i didn't think that the issue was that there was few jokes or anything like that like i thought it was a legitimately funny movie it just it didn't didn't hit me inside you know that's all but i can at least I got the balls, Jer, to acknowledge that I, I do think it is a well-made movie, and I understand why people would like it. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's one of those things. I don't know. Maybe I wasn't in the right mood. Maybe I was. I, I had just made, a, spent like an hour making brownies, so I was pretty tired. Yeah. So, and they were thick, juicy brownies. You could have tasted them, that, but. That sounds like a Spinal Tap song or album. <laughs> thick, juicy, thick, juicy. You can taste them. <laughs> Thick, juicy brown? Yeah. Oh, good lord. Well, maybe I'll make my own spinal tap, and it'll be called uh, Butt Dump. Yep. I lost you. That's what did it. My my uh, fifth butt dump joke, that's what lost you. That's the one I was like, wow. 
What did you What did you agree to? Uh, what What have any like man at this point? What have we all agreed to? I don't know. Well, uh, before my throat gives out, I think that's a good place to jump off here. Probably. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. I guess we'll talk to you after the break. Hopefully, I can still talk then. RJ, that was our first comedy in our Criterion Creep. Ha! Huh. Did you get it? I laughed because it was a joke. You can email Woo! us at CriterionCreeps at gmail.com. Oh, not again. Facebook, CriterionCreepsTumblr.com. Instagram, we're on Letterboxd, Jared Duncan, Barnloaf. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. Follow us, subscribe, review. We love feedback. It keeps us going. Mm-hmm. But hey, next week, we're finding out why those damn lambs in our well in the basement have been so quiet lately. We're hitting that spine, number 13 in our criterion creep, which means it is Silence of the Lambs, directed by Jonathan Demme from 1991. Spooky. It's going to be so spooky, but also really funny. Because I oh. personally think Silence of the Lambs is one of the funniest movies around. Oh no. Oh no. Legit. Horrible. You know what I'm proud of though? We did an entire episode of our show about This is Spinal Tap. And we didn't make any stupid 11 jokes. We saved well, those for the last episode. Yeah. I think at this point it's pretty much implied, you know. Yeah, people it, know that it sucks. We don't have to. It's lazy. It's it's up there with far and few between laughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got that right, buddy. No. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, that's it. Fun fart. We're gonna be hanging out with Anthony Hopkins, Buffalo Bill, my fave. Ooh, yeah. Don't you have one of those skin suits? Working on it. 
almost there. Almost. Almost there. Yeah, it's the problem. Find with out these, next week. That's the problem with these like people using Fitbits now. There's like less fat people around. It's harder to oh, find there's, victims. They're still there, Jared. You just gotta find the right place. Like, come with me down to the Dairy Queen one day. Yeah. Every three out of five is gonna be prime for skin. Good night, folks.